This is Cruise Radio. In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. How's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Happy to have you here. A review of Carnival Horizon this week. It's been a really crazy week. I'll tell you why. So Sunday, I flew down to Lauderdale to do two different ship things and then flew back home that night. Tuesday, Flew down to Miami for Sea Trade Global. Was there for I think like eighteen hours. So here we are doing the big broadcast here. I was going to do the show live from the trade show floor, but there were eleven thousand people there this year, and it was just like you couldn't find any place quiet. So I decided to do it here instead. Before we get to our first interview, Cruise Radio News. It's our daily quick hits of the news. You can find that where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just type in Cruise Radio News. And the Cruise Radio YouTube channel just uploaded a video tour of Carnival Conquest that can be found on the YouTube channel. All right, so the first event of the week was down in Fort Lauderdale. I flew down there on a Sunday morning, went right to Holland America's new Dom. That's their new cruise ship that came out in 2018. A really nice mid-sized ship, too. It's like 99500 Hundred tons, I believe. So the president of Holland America, Orlando Ashford, was there, and they named their next new ship that's coming out May 2021, and also talked about some of their entertainment they're doing. Here's my interview with Orlando Ashford. So how is Holland America elevating the entertainment experience? Yeah, so Music Walk is the anchor of what we're trying to do from an entertainment perspective. So we describe ourselves as a play, the music capital of the world. Uh, we used to say the music capital at sea, but we really think that what we offer from a live music perspective is literally some of the best in the world. So if you go down the list, B.B. King's Blues Club, Lincoln Center Stage, Billboard On Board, the new Rolling Stone Rock Room, Postmodern Jukebox, uh, the things that we're doing from a live music perspective, because these are not just house bands where they change the T-shirt, uh, each sure. hour. These are people that are from those venues, vetted by and trained by those venues, truly authentic music in each of those genres, and they play off of each other. And so in the evening to watch that, the, what I call the heartbeat of the ship kind of pulse as people go from Rolling Stone to Billboard to BB Kings and back, it's been tremendous. And so Holland America Line, if you go back maybe five, six, seven years, um, wonderful brand, but a brand that was a little bit more subdued and quiet. Mm-hmm. I think we've really elevated the energy with what we're doing with Music Walk. Yeah, the first time I sailed Honda America was like back in 2010 on Eurodam. And like at 10 o'clock, you were rolling the carpets up on this ship. But now, like I sailed this ship, the new Stottendam, uh, two months ago in Rolling Stones Rock Room, which is an awesome venue, by the way, was going well after midnight. Yeah, you know, it's changed the dynamic. And so part of our charge is just getting that message out. So what I for, for the person that is a modern explorer that loves food and loves live music, this is the cruise line for them because we, we do destinations in a really big way, uh, always have, and really try to create that relationship between the destination and the guest. Uh, we've always done really good food, but Rudy and the Culinary Council have really elevated our food experience. And so there's Rudy Seldomare or some of the other wonderful venues, burgers up to fine dining. And then what we've done with live music is second to none. 
Your burgers are number two on the list. Guy's Burger joined on Carnival number one. You guys number two. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I'm in an argument with Guy. I don't buy that. I think <laughs> I think it, I think Guy's got you know he's he's a little more famous. Um, but in terms of burger, I've had both. The guys, it's a great burger, but uh, I want to have a burger contest. I think Divin beats it. I really do. But um, Guy and I've been going back and forth about this. <laughs> but I think we'll win. Rolling Stones Rock Room, such a popular venue, like we were just saying. Um, any plans of it going fleet wide? Yeah, we're, our issue is just trying to figure out how to fit it in. Mm-hmm. It's space. So clearly these are our newer, bigger ships, and so we have the room to put it in. But uh, it's turning out to be quite popular, so we're going to figure out how we can extend it uh, further into the fleet. So that's our ambition. We just have to figure out how to do it because uh, the smaller ships don't have the same space footprint that you have on the Pinnacle class. So we'll, we'll figure it out. Holland America has a new ship coming out in May of 2021. What can you tell us about it? Well, what I can tell you is their new name. So we just named the ship. She's going to be called the Rhine Dam. You know, we've really been working on that balance between our, histo- our history, 146 years, and a lot of these changes that we're making to position us for the future. Um, we've had discussion about the name and should we tame- change our naming convention, but Dam is a part of our naming convention and something that's historic and traditional and we decided to go back and tap into a traditional name and so this will be the, the uh, we've had three Rhine dams and so we're about to have another one we're really excited to add her to the fleet all right now we'll fast forward to tuesday at sea trade global where i had a chance to catch up with carnival cruise lines brand ambassador john healed about carnival's two announcements the first announcement was they are teaming up with the uh, the game show rather family feud here's what john had to say I think on the back of how uh, successful Hasbro the game show has been to see the fact that we've got Family Feud on the ships. We carry more families than any other cruise line in the world. And I can just picture on the Mardi Gras, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith and the kids from Boise, Idaho playing uh, Mr. and Mrs. Parker and the kids from Mm -hmm. Chicago. Um, I think it's going to be so much fun and it is going to be exactly like the TV show. There's going to be two different versions, I understand. That's right. We'll do a family, family feud and an adult Family Feud a little bit later in the evening. All right, so Family Feud is coming to Carnival Mardi Gras, and then a new premium suite level called the Excel Suites were announced just a couple of moments later. For those people who are fortunate enough to buy a suite, when they are going to buy one of these suites, whether it's the presidential, one of of the aft, whether it's uh, uh, these corner suites, I mean, these are are incredible, and some with the the whirlpool and some with all the extended furniture on on the balconies and that whole list of amenities. Excellent stuff. Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com is here to help unpack the news. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. What a crazy week, huh? It's been busy in Miami, that's for sure. So we just heard John talk about the Family Feud Partnership. Elaborate on that. Sure. I'll I'll sort of try to explain this. So the longtime TV show that everyone knows and loves, Family Feud, is going to debut aboard the new Carnival Mardi Gras as part of the entertainment lineup. Um, On the ship, it's going to be called Family Feud Live, and it will feature the same format and even the same set, so it looks like the TV show. And just like on TV, there's going to be two five-person teams, and they're going to be competing to answer the same survey questions. The ship's cruise director will be the host for several versions of the show, and that's going to include the, you know, what you would expect, the family-friendly versions. And as well, they're going to have a late-night adult show. And also announced, Carnival is rolling out these new top-notch Excel suites. Yeah, they're introducing the Excel suites on the Mardi Gras. And they're, I'll try to explain this as best as I can. There are going to be four categories of 32 premium-level Excel suites. And each suite is going to have a variety of amenities 
So in total, there will be two presidential suites, and that will include access to the thermal suite and the Havana pool area. There's going to be 12 Excel aft suites, and they're going to overlook summer landing, you know, that outdoor area below. There's going to be 12 Excel corner suites and six suites on decks 10, 11, and 12 that will all have sleeping, dining, and relaxing areas. And all suites on Mardi Gras will include priority boarding and debarkation, priority main dining room seating, plush bathrobes, and bottled water upon arrival. But if you're in the 32 um, Excel suite, one of the 32 Excel suites, you'll also have unlimited access to what's being called Loft 19. And this, think of it as, well, it's a new secluded private outdoor retreat area, and it will have its own bar and cabanas, and you can actually rent a little covered cabana area if you want to do that. And again, if you're in one of the 32 Carnival Excel suites, you'll have a dedicated concierge phone line, um, guaranteed specialty dining times, bottomless bubbles, room service, and complimentary laundry, and you know a handful more of amenities that other people won't get. Hmm. So Excel Suites, do you think Carnival is going like the Cunard route with the class system or even NCL's The Haven or Yacht Club on MSC? Um, I wouldn't particularly say that, um, mainly because if they don't have their own dining area. Okay. And, um, Fair enough. Yeah. And, and, you know, they don't have priority seating from what I understand. They don't get priority seating in the, um, the show lounge either for the big shows. But, you know, maybe that will be introduced later on. All right, moving on. There were a group of people who got stuck in an elevator on a Carnival cruise ship, and we'll pick it up from here. Yeah, and I was thinking about going on this ship pretty soon, too. But as the story goes, an elevator aboard the Carnival Inspiration became stuck between floors for about 30 to 40 minutes, and there were six people trapped inside. And as a result of what Carnival said was damage to the elevator doors and the cables, this group of men who are on their annual cruise with Carnival have now been banned from Carnival for life. They were put off the ship at the next port, and they are being held financially responsible for the damages. But Carnival said, you know, there are two sides to every story. The men claim faulty equipment and being mocked by the crew outside their partially open door, while Carnival says the men caused the incident to happen in the first place. So one of the people who were stuck inside the elevator actually sent me an email on Sunday morning, and they said, this is my immediate response to Carnival Cruise Line. Carnival is trying to turn this into a blame game rather than looking at the actions of their crew members and staff. They should be reprimanding their employees for their unprofessional behavior and redefining rescue procedures. Now, I'm not going to comment on that because I wasn't there. I have no clue what happened. Um, there's Carnival story, there's their story, and then there's the truth, right? That's always the way it is. All right, and last but not least here, this last story, Royal Caribbean is doing this major refurbishment on 10 of their cruise ships. They're calling it Royal Amplified, and they're installing this Skypad feature, which we've talked about in the past on the show. Um, incident happened on Skypad back in February. Not pretty. Take it from there. Sure, I'm right, and I will. A man is suing Royal Caribbean for $10 million after a serious accident happened on the Skypad aboard Mariner of the Seas after this Royal Amplified uh, refurbishment. And for those who may not know, the Skypad, it, it, imagine a blend of a trampoline and a bungee cord. So you're jumping, but yet there's a cord holding you um, in place. So anyway, this 25-year-old man was in the middle of a big jump 
when the harness snapped in midair and he came crashing down about 20 feet. According to the report, not only was his pelvis shattered in several places, but his shoulder was also dislocated. The manner, yeah, his injuries were so bad, the mariner of the seas had to turn back to Miami where the man was transported to the hospital. And he has since had to undergo several surgeries to repair his shattered pelvis. And because of this, uh, Royal Caribbean has shut down the Skypad on both the Mariner of the Seas and the Independence of the Seas until further notice. It's just closed down. I was digging into this story to make sure it wasn't a sensational piece. And this kid got messed up. Yeah. yeah. And his walking, I guess he's in a wheelchair a lot mm-hmm. of the time, too. Yeah, so it's, it's this is really a sad Sad story. All right, it's time for a listener question. This week is from Shane. If you have a listener question, drop me an email, Doug at cruiseradio.net, D-O-U-G at cruiseradio.net. Um, I've booked my next two cruises on my own, and I've never used a travel agent because I've assumed the agent needs to be paid for their services. How does a travel agent make money if there are no additional costs to the client to use their services? I'm just curious. Yeah, hi, Shane. Well, Here's sort of um, the Cliff Notes version of how it works. So when you use a travel agent, you pay nothing additional. The cruise line has already negotiated commission rates for the travel agencies, and the travel agencies have their split with the agent. So when you book a cruise through a travel agent, the agency and the agent receive a commission. It's based on the cost of the base cruise fare, not the taxes and not the port charges or what they call miscellaneous fees. So if you book directly with the cruise line, you're not paying a discounted amount as though the percentage that would have been paid to the agency was then deducted from what they're quoting you as your cruise fare. So it's already included in the cruise line's budget, basically, what they're going to be dishing out to the travel agencies. So in fact, travel agencies and their agents, they have access to promotions They have access to group rate pricing and added amenities that someone booking directly with the cruise line will either not know about or receive um, because the cruise lines, you know, they won't tell you that if you were to book with XYZ agency, you're not only going to get this price, but they're going to also give you a bottle of wine. You might get a, um, a specialty dining offer, maybe money to spend on a shore excursion. So Basically, the bottom line is you're not saving any money by booking direct. And in fact, you may be losing out because you won't have access to some of the offers that travel agents agencies have negotiated with the cruise lines. Well, I hope that makes sense what I just how I just explained it. Yeah, it was pretty clear. And Shane, if you have any other questions, just drop me a line, Doug at cruiseradio.net. We've been talking with Sherry Laskin from cruisemaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News Skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% off shore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting cruisingexcursions.com. We know you can't go on every single cruise. 
So we do it for you. Find over 200 ship reviews and money-saving tips at cruiseradio.net or search Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio. Kevin just returned from an eight-night Southern Caribbean cruise aboard Carnival Horizon out of Port Miami, and he joins us on the line. How you doing, Kevin? Doing pretty good. Yourself, Doug? Good, bud. I may know the answer to this first question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What made you want to take this eight-night cruise uh, on Carnival Horizon? Because I know you're up there in the Northwest. We definitely were looking for just a nice uh, spring break getaway uh, to to definitely escape that cold. And uh, the itinerary itself was very attractive. Uh, plus, I mean, obviously being on Carnival's brand new ship that's about to celebrate, a, you know, it's one year birthday per se, you know, mm-hmm. uh, was a great opportunity for us. So you're in the Northwest. You had to come down to the Southeast. Any pre-cruise time in Miami? Uh, not too terribly much, but we definitely, uh, you know, take the whole day uh, to fly from uh, Washington State down to Florida. And so we did fly down. The cruise left on a Saturday. And so we flew down on Friday, gotcha. uh, which we were very happy we did because we did encounter some flight issues uh, where we were hoping to get in a little bit earlier in the day into Miami and we didn't get in until about midnight. So we were really happy. At least we got to fly in a day before and then we just stayed at a um, hotel right there by the port, uh, the Intercontinental Hotel and was really nice and convenient to get to the port the next day. Dude, how nice is that hotel? I stayed there last month and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It is amazing. I mean, we, we unfortunately we didn't get to the hotel until pretty late, but I mean, it was you know, when we woke up the next morning, I mean, they, they they put us in a room that overlooked the bay yeah. area right there. And we, we had an amazing view uh, to wake up to and get excited because you could see the cruise ships pretty much right there and ready to hop on board. Yeah, totally. So you make your way to Port Miami. How was embarkation? Embarkation was pretty good. So we uh, we had the 1230 to 1 o'clock um, arrival appointment with Carnival. We wanted to get on board really, you know, as quickly as possible to start enjoying our vacation. So we did arrive a little bit early. Uh, which I've heard Carnival kind of hit or miss as far as whether they are going to enforce that time frame or not. But we had no problem getting on board the ship, uh, you know, starting about 12 o'clock. And we breezed right through everything from, you know, curb to ship, maybe 10 minutes at most, wow. uh, but really not not too terribly bad. With Carnival at Port Miami, can you check in with your phone or did you print a boarding pass out and show that to the agent? Uh, we all print out our boarding passes, so I'm not sure if they allow the phone or not, but yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they would allow it. So, But we, we usually print all our stuff ahead of time. Yeah, it seems like Miami's getting pretty techy down there with all their iPads they're walking around with and printing you out things as you're walking by them. This was actually the first time we experienced where they just lifted our photo, I guess, off of the, the passport. So they never actually had to take a physical photo of us uh, there in the check-in line, which was nice. Uh, you know, it helped breeze through, you know, take a few seconds off, obviously, the, the process but it was really quick yeah because the first time they did that to me i was like well you don't need my passport they're like no i'm like okay so you make your way on board <laughs> carnival uh, horizon what were your first impressions it's a really amazing ship i mean definitely you can tell it's it's very 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 new um you board there onto deck three right into the the lobby atrium area there's a little bit different uh you know to most other carnival ships where the atrium is only about three stories tall or so but um very cool uh with all the artwork and, and the lighting that, that they have got going on there. One of the things I noticed on Carnival Vista and Horizon is, you know, that LED dreamscape. It's a focal point of the atrium and people were taking photos right when they walked on the ship. Did you notice that? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, we definitely gravitate th- to it throughout the entire voyage too. Yeah. I mean, just from the entertainment and just kind of staring at the yeah. LED screens and everything. I mean, it's really, really cool. Yeah. Another noticeable thing on Horizon and Vista as well is there's no glass elevators in the atrium, just the three-story atrium compared to the older ships with the, you know, the multi-story atrium. Uh, what's the first thing you did when you got on board the ship? So the first thing we did is uh, we did have the you know faster the fun so we went straight to our our stateroom just to kind of drop our ba- you know drop our carry on bags and kind of just breathe for a second but then after that we headed off over to the uh, to the barbecue place on board um, since we know the Lido buffet is usually very crowded especially on an embarkation day so we went over there and it was definitely pretty pretty quiet and. and uh, very, very, very good food. Um, I'm originally from Texas and, you know, no barbecue pretty well. And, you know, Carnival with the Pig and Anchor uh, barbecue place really does a great job. Yeah. Embarkation day is definitely the day to go too, because it gets kind of cranked up the rest of the days of the cruise. It does. You could, I mean, you could easily, I mean, there was really no line at all. Uh, so you could go up for seconds, thirds, yes. fourths, however, you know, <laughs> to your heart content, you know, and, and really have no weight at all, which is really nice because, I have been on, uh, we were on the magic, uh, last year and, uh, did the same thing, but then wanted to go back later in, in the, in the cruise. And the line was probably 30 minutes. It seemed like, you know, and I would imagine horizon probably would have been the same way. Yeah. When I was on, uh, what was I on breeze in November, people were tailgating out there at like 10 o'clock, 10, 15, waiting for it to open at 1130, like trying to scout their spot in line. I'm like, wow, you must be. <laughs> Some hardcore barbecue fans because there are like a dozen other food options open right now. It's kind of kind of funny oh, yeah. how people go nuts uh, over that barbecue. It's one, one thing about the horizon. I mean, there's there's so much food available. I mean, so many different options, and it, it can be overwhelming mm-hmm. at times. To be honest with you, and just because like you want to try everything, but you only can. Yeah. <laughs> you can only try so much. <laughs> so you make your way to your stateroom, or you did when you first boarded, then you go back to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you uh, book, and what did you think of it? So we splurged again and got one of the Cloud9 spa suites. Uh, we did that back actually on the Magic last year and kind of fell in love with it. And I think you even asked the question when we were t- we were talking about a while back of, you know, once you go to a suite, can you go back to a balcony room? And it, it's tough. I mean, we did that on a different cruise and, and it was fine. But, you know, a good opportunity opened up on this voyage to have uh, one up on Deck 11. Um, and we really enjoyed it. And the, the rooms on Horizon, especially – um, the suite was great. I mean, uh, one thing I noticed in particular was um, how large the TVs are in the room. I mean, you don't spend much time, obviously, watching TV on a cruise, but I mean, I haven't seen TVs that large in a room in a, on a cruise ship before. Now, the uh, the Cloud9 Spa State Rooms, you have the access to the thermal suite, right? That is correct. Yeah. Yes, Did you spend much time up there? We went there a couple times. Uh, the first time we went up there on one of the sea days, it was super, super crowded you know, and so it wasn't as enjoyable, uh, but we did venture over there, uh, during another, uh, during another day, um, kind of later in the evening and it was pretty quiet and we definitely enjoyed our time there. Yeah. It's, it's nice there. Uh, as far as space for your eight night cruise, did you find plenty of space in your cabin? We did. I think the, the style of, I mean, they did have like some of a pseudo walk-in closet area in these rooms. Um, since, you know, the suites are a little bit larger than the regular balcony ones, but, it was still plenty of space for uh, both my wife and I for an eight-night cruise. Let's talk about dining on this eight-night sailing. And we'll start in the main dining room. What time dining did you have, and how was your experience? We had the early dining, so at 6 p.m. in the Reflections dining room. So it's 
uh, not the main dining room, um, you could say, but kind of one of the other uh, smaller dining rooms that's more midship. It was was good service. We, we had a good time, uh, you know, and easy to get to and from. Let's go to the Lido Deck Marketplace next, the buffet area on Carnival Horizon. How was that? The selections were usually pretty good. Uh, we definitely tried them uh, a couple times. Uh, it did seem somewhat crowded. Obviously, it's a spring break voyage, so it's definitely, you know, very probably sold out ship for sure. So it's sometimes hard to find tables and stuff to to actually sit down and eat your food. Uh, but was you know obviously the, the selections was great. You know they started rolling out the new dessert menu, for instance, uh, on on Carnival this year, and some really good selections there. Please tell me you had a burger or two from Guys. Definitely, I, it's always a must. Uh, we had a couple, and they were always really really good. What specialty restaurants did you do? We did go to Gigi's um, Asian restaurant. Uh, it's, Somewhat, it's in the back of the ship, kind of uh, yeah, near the aft on deck eleven. It's tucked away. It uh, was really good food. Uh, only cost it, uh, when we went for about fifteen dollars per person, and it gave you a three course meal. And they really are big about uh, sharing. So it was my wife and I eating on this meal, and, and uh, so we got to get you know two entrees, two appetizers, two desserts, and you know it's kind of served two shares. So you had plenty of. Plenty of food and plenty to try different different things. Did you, uh, by chance, go to either the Captain's Pasta Bar or the Mongolian Walk during the lunchtime hours? We didn't make it to the Pasta Bar, but we did go to the Mongolian Walk. And the Mongolian Walk on the horizon is in the same place as Gigi's. Mm-hmm. So it's Mongolian Walk by day and Gigi's by night. Um, you know, Even though it's in the same place, Mongolian Walk is still complimentary, like you said. And um was pretty good. I mean, the service was probably a little slower than I expected. Um, I haven't been to the McGowan Walk before on any of the other carnival ships I've been on, surprisingly enough, but um, it was still really good, and, and we, had, we had a great time. What did you think of the entertainment on this cruise? Entertainment was great. I mean, they they had several, uh, several production shows throughout the sailing. Uh, it seemed like they might have been in transition because they talked about on I think it was two of the production shows that that was going to be the last time that those groups performed on the horizon, that their contracts were ending. So I'm not sure if we had more uh, production shows just due to the overlap or not, um, but they were pretty good. I mean, the two that come to mind is, uh, I think it was called Soulbound, um, which was kind of, mis- at first, the, the, you know, the way they kind of set the stage was, it was kind of like a spooky intro, um, you know, and so forth. But all in all, it was like soul music. So it's kind of kind of interesting how they kind of started this production to what the actual production was. And then uh, determine what the other one was that we did during the during this. Oh, it was the Cuban one. Mm-hmm. Um, they just started. Uh, I think it was actually the, their first first performance of this one is what they're saying. And it was like a Cuban dance uh, production that was really good. It was all the dancers and the, the musicians from the Havana Lounge uh, basically had their own show. Was Spellbound, was that the one that was kind of like New Orleans type setting, like the voodoo and all that? Kind of. Um, it was more singing, uh, more than anything. It was basically just a whole bunch of soul and R&B type uh, performances. Yeah. And so it was kind of a, you know, like I said, a kind of a spooky intro, but then it just didn't went into all the all the singing and, and uh, dancing by the various performers. Did you check out any comedy shows? We did. Uh, so being an eight-night cruise, they, uh, they had basically two sets of comedians, uh, two for the first half. And then when we re- uh, reached Carousel, 
they went off and then we got uh, two more for the second half of the cruise. Um, the one thing I would recommend actually really is any of the production shows or comedy shows is that, uh, Seating can be very limited, you know, and so for comedy, as an example, is in the Limelight Theater, which is uh, kind of deck five mid as well. And if you weren't there in line half an hour before the show, you may not get a seat. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so popular on our cruise in particular. They actually started the shows early uh, several times throughout the throughout the cruise because they'd already reached capacity and they really couldn't fit any more people. So they figured they might as well start the show a little bit early. They did, however, have a couple of comedy shows move over into the main theater, uh, to the Liquid Lounge, which is the main theater on the ship, uh, to accommodate more people. What are they doing when the comedy club gets to capacity? Are they shutting the door or are they letting you pile in and just like standing room only type thing? They do shut the door, but it, there is some standing. Uh, so my wife and I definitely had to stand a couple times during our shows. So I'm assuming there's someone there or they're doing a rough estimate of the, you know, the, the capacity, you know, you know, obviously every room has a you know, certain number of people that's allowed. And so um, they would shut the doors at that point when, whenever they reach capacity. And that's when I think it was, uh, the comedy manager came on stage and said, Hey, we're at capacity. So, you know, we shut the doors. We're going to start the, start the show early. Who was your cruise director? Uh, we had Schwartz and uh, he was really entertaining, uh, you know, and, you know, always, always there and always a, uh, you know, keeping keeping the party going. Carnival has so many theme parties these days, like the what do they call it, the hot white party? Did you do that at all? They definitely have a lot of them uh, throughout. We we would we did attend a few of them, you know, and they're they're scattered throughout the ship. I mean, there's definitely there's quite a few that are centered around the uh, around the atrium lobby area. You know, take advantage of that three deck uh, tier right there, and uh, they'd have different trivia there, different parties, different you know sing alongs, things like that, as well as. Uh, different parties out on the uh, Lido deck at night in particular as well. Let's talk about the sea days. How were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? The sea days were pretty good. Uh, I think the only areas that were, you know, you could see definitely the crowds were the typical spots, such as the Lido deck right around the pool area, as well as the buffet area. Anywhere else on the ship was usually pretty good. And that was on sea days or, or just non sea days as well. I mean, you know, it's amazing how big that ship is, and you could be in many parts of the ship and really feel like uh, it's pretty pretty quiet, too. So that was really nice. Horizon, like Vista, has that unique casino layout where it's on deck four, so you don't have to walk through it to go to like along the promenade. Um, did you find that smoke was an issue anywhere around the ship outside of the casino? The only other area that we saw the smoke, I mean, the smoke in the casino was pretty bad uh, if you had to walk through it. Um, and it hurt. Uh, we were complaining a little bit ourselves amongst our group. And then also we were always heard a lot of people talking about as well uh, that the smoking, the smoke in the casino was uh, pretty intense. The only other area that we found it to be kind of smoky was probably on deck 11. Um, I think there's a little smoking area that's kind of right that overlooks the main pool area. Um, that area was a little smoky at times, um, especially if you're trying to get from, say, the front of the ship to the back of the ship, um, where you kind of had to pass through that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but besides that, those two areas, it wasn't bad at all. I guess you would kind of have to walk through the casino on this ship if you wanted to go from, like, say, the theater back to the comedy club or the sports bar, right? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm not sure if they had a deck on the outside. Um, yeah, they, they don't really think they do. do. Or if they do, it's like a crew deck, probably. Yeah, it might yeah. be, but yeah, I, I felt like we had to kind of walk through yeah. Yeah. through the casino. And so we, we would 
try and find ways. I mean, we even go up a few decks and they walk through some cabin quarters, which I know a lot of people probably don't like, but you know, yeah. <laughs> just to try and avoid some of the, some of the smoke if we had to. Yeah. That's what I had to do on carnival breeze. The smoking was kind of bad in there. I was either going up to deck six and walking the passenger halls or going down and walking um, on deck four, like through a dining room, I think, because it was just like, kind of disgusting on that ship too um so let's talk about the ports of call you went to and what i'll get you to do kevin is just um give me the port you went to give me a highlight then move on to the next one yeah no problem so the first port we made it to was grand turk uh so with this itinerary we docked around 7 seven thirty, and we left around 1 30 or 2 so you didn't have much time uh, in grand turk but we did an excursion that was a reef raise and beach adventure mm-hmm. um, which was pretty cool i mean they, they take you to do some snorkeling that part was a little uh, crowded, I guess you could say, um, you know, as far as a lot more snorkelers than we'd hoped. Um, so it wasn't as enjoyable, but then they take you to another, you know, spot um, where they let you actually hold a stingray, which was really cool. Never got to do that before. And they were more than happy, of course, to take your picture and sell it to you later mm-hmm. on. And, but then the last uh, part of that was we went to uh, the beach that's right there by the cruise ship. Um, you know, that's one nice thing about Grand Turk is, there is a really nice beach that is very, very short walk from the cruise ship uh, where it docks in, in Grand Turk. The next stop that we had was La Romana in the Dominican Republic. Uh, we went ziplining, and that was really, uh, really nice. Uh, you know, there's like seven lines of ziplining, and uh, we had a great time there. And then there's uh, there's a nice little uh, flea market that kind of opens up right along the uh, terminal area as the day goes on. And so, you know, some pretty good shopping uh, to do in that area as well. The next stop that we had was in uh, Carousel. We did a uh, turtle snorkel um, where they take you to uh, actually two different beaches. It's a turtle and beach hop snorkel adventure. Um, so the first stop you go to is an area where there's a lot of sea turtles swimming around. And they don't really want you to touch the sea turtles, but they're close enough where, where you really can touch them in the water and while you're snorkeling. And then they take you to another beach in the area um, where you can choose a snorkel if you want, or uh, you had about an hour and a half roughly of beach time before they return you back to the port. Uh, the nice thing about Carousel, at least in this itinerary, was uh, so we didn't dock until about 1.30 or so in the afternoon, uh, but then we stayed until about 10.30 at night. Uh, so we actually had dinner off the ship that night uh, just in the there's a lot of restaurants and so forth that are pretty close to the to the port within walking distance and very reasonably priced um, i forget the name of the restaurant we went to but it was really cool as a you know couple story building and so we were i think on the fourth floor and had a nice overlook of the water and at nighttime and you could see you know the downtown carousel area as well as looking back towards the cruise ship too and that was uh Really nice uh, dinner and, and, view, and vantage point as well. Was that, um, and I'm sure it it might not be because there are so many restaurants there, but I did the same thing like yeah. you're explaining. Was that kind of like a Mexican slash steakhouse type place? If I remember, yes. They, they did have a lot of different options, but yeah, they had some Mexican food, but they also had, it was, a, it was actually a whole conglomerate of food, to be honest. It was Mexican, steak, fish, mm-hmm. and even some like Lebanese type food as well uh, with uh, some shawarmas. So was it right had, there on the water? A pretty good eclectic menu. Yes, sir. Yeah. I wonder if it's the same place. It sounds just like when you were describing it, I'm like, I think I went there a couple of years ago. Very nice. Uh, so that was your last port of call, Curacao. Actually, you went to Aruba, right? Yep. Aruba was our last one. And so we did the Kanuku uh, uh, bus uh, where they basically take you. It's an open air bus. 
um, that looks pretty crazy. And they have Morocco's and, and Morocco, you know, that you can shake and really great party uh, atmosphere. And uh, they, they take you to a couple of the main highlights in Aruba with the lighthouse and then one of the churches there. And then you have an end with a couple hours at uh, one of the beaches. And we ended up at Palm Beach, uh, which was really, really a nice beach there. Um, while we're, and then while we're there, we actually uh, rode this ride. It wasn't included in the tour, but you have time to. They have a lot of water activities that you can purchase at this beach. Uh, we rode this big tube called Big Mabel. Uh, which is really awesome where it's a, you know, basically a flat tube that up to four people can ride on this tube and they drag you around the area on this high-speed boat. Um, it's a pretty adventurous ride. We had a great time. Are you pretty much bound to fly off this big Mabel? You pretty much are. Yeah, okay. Uh, we, we, so we, my wife and I had actually ridden this thing uh, back several years ago during our honeymoon in Aruba where we just flew there and spent about a week or so in Aruba. And so when we saw this uh, this time, we were like, oh, you know, let's, let's do it again and see if we can survive again. And uh, we did. Uh, but we definitely saw a lot of people uh, while we were sitting there trying to make the decision of whether we are going to do it again. Uh, we definitely saw quite a few people fly off. So. <laughs> You got to hold on, otherwise, yeah, you are going to have a, a a fun flying experience. So, debarkation on Carnival Horizon gets mixed reviews. Some say it goes really good. Some say it could be better, aka really bad. Uh, what were your What were your impressions? <laughs> our overall impressions were actually we were on the good side. Uh, we uh, obviously because of our faster to the fun, uh, we had priority embarkation, uh, so we did get to get off a little bit earlier um, in in the overall process. You know, and I think the only the only snafu we had was uh, one of our check bags was there, and one of them hadn't made it out yet, which was really odd, uh, especially since they had released our group at that point. So you assumed everything was good to go, um, but you know, it did eventually come, and and uh, we really didn't have much of a line, maybe from ship to curb, 15, 20 minutes at most, uh, with most of that time probably waiting for trying to figure out where that one missing bag was, and then you know, probably about a five to 10 person deep line at uh, customs, but that was about it. And, uh, we, you know, overall, it wasn't really that bad. <laughs> How strict were they when it came to passport control? Like, was it one of those where they were scanning everyone's passport or just looking at it and telling you to go ahead and go? For us, they just looked at it and told us to go. Gotcha. Uh, they compared it to our, I mean, obviously they made sure our face sure. matched, you know, the passport, but besides that, no, they weren't actually scanning it. Okay. Any first time tips to offer uh, anyone sailing Carnival Horizon? So most of it would be just, you know, you know, check out the ship ahead of time. I mean, there's definitely plenty out there about what the ship has to offer and prioritize what you want to do. Um, there are a lot of activities on this ship that you can definitely uh, partake in. I mean, you know, everything from the, you know, the IMAX theater to the 40 thrill thrill theater to even the sky ride, which is a, you know, like a bicycle that you can kind of ride around a track that's on the very, very, very top of the ship and offer some really cool views of the ship. But prioritize that because we, as an example of the sky ride, we really wanted to try that, but we waited till last day, our last sea day. And we, there was like an hour and a half long wait uh, to get on that thing. And we were like, no, we're not going to do that, you know, but there's so many things that you can do and see, you know, and, and also eat on the ship, you know, from the specialty restaurants, just all the free options, um, you know, and so like I said, it's probably good to prioritize what, what you want to do on, on the ship. The other cool thing that not many ships have to offer, or at least we haven't found them always, was um, on deck five in particular, 
you can walk all the way forward on the sh- on the ship and have a really cool view of you know what you know going forward you know un- unobstructed too i mean as far as there's no gla- no plexiglass or anything blocking your view um so that was really cool to kind of get to see like you see like the captain's view um as the ship progressed uh, throughout the voyage i mean there's some days we walked out there and it was you know the wind wasn't that bad and there were some days that the uh the wind was we walked out was pretty bad. So we walked out there and like, Oh, okay. And we walked almost, we just kind of walked around and came right back in. Um, but, uh, with that said, we were going a little bit quicker on our way back due to a medical emergency that, that we had to deal with. Yeah. What, what happened? Uh, Like, did that, did that, um, I know you had to go to Jamaica because you had a mm -hmm. a medical, uh, did that impact your arrival back to Port Miami? Surprisingly it did not. So, uh, the second, and so the, the first of the last two sea days, so on that Friday, and we were docking on Sunday back in Miami, about noon or so, they, they, uh, the captain came over and said, hey, we have a medical emergency on the ship. We're going to have to divert to Kingston, Jamaica to offload this passenger. And you could tell they were definitely booking it to get to Kingston as quickly as they could. And we got there um, kind of mid, mid-evening, I guess you could say, is about 7, 8 o'clock. And we just kind of sat in one of the harbors, I guess, and they eventually sent out a, um, like a medical police ambulance type boat to come pick up the passenger. Um, so it's kind of interesting watching them kind of do this exchange of us, um, you know, in the middle of this harbor trying to stay in position and this boat trying to keep up with us. But, um, you know, that, that, you know, they offloaded that passenger and then we've had to beeline to Miami and, they said at most we were going to be about half an hour late uh, into Miami, but they weren't expecting it to affect the debarkation of any of, of any passengers. And so, and sure enough, I think we arrived on time, okay. um, you know, which was nice. But you know, they handled it pretty well, and they, they kept everyone very informed uh, throughout the entire process, and kind of letting everyone know that hey, we're not, you know, this is what's going on. You're gonna you're gonna feel the the ship sway a little bit more. I don't know if they try to, you know, reduce the stabilizers or not. I don't know if that's possible on some of these ships, but they were talking about how it's probably going to be a lot more rocky uh, than an average sailing, you know, and, and, uh, but overall I thought that was handled well. And like I said, we, we arrived in Miami, I think at, I think they said we were scheduled to dock at six. And I think we got in a right around six o'clock. Looking back, what was the the biggest highlight of your cruise? Honestly, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I mean, the entire thing was really nice. Um, you know, this is the you know first time we ever really been on one of the brand new ships out there, and so usually we're kind of sailing on some of the older ones, I guess you could say. And um, it was really cool to get to experience a lot of stuff from you know from the the atrium with the like I guess the I think they call it the Dreamscape pretty much mm-hmm. with the LED screens and everything to just the entertainment and and our, and uh, all the show, you know, the great itinerary with the Southern Caribbean. And this was a perfect itinerary. In closing, final thoughts of Carnival Horizon. Definitely don't let the size intimidate you. I mean, it is a very large ship. I mean, it's obviously Carnival's biggest ship at the moment, you know, but it doesn't seem like it's as large as as it is. You know, there's plenty of space to spread out and relax and enjoy it and highly recommend to anybody. We've been talking with Kevin about his eight-night Southern Caribbean cruise aboard Carnival Horizon. Thank you, man. Thanks, Doug. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. 
Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.